0: So I've been searching for a clean electrolyte company that I love for a really long time, and I just hadn't found anything that I liked, that I enjoyed the taste of, that I felt good about the ingredients, until I found Element. And I actually got a sample from somebody, and I was instantly hooked. They have really good flavors. They're actually tasty. Like, I enjoy drinking them, whereas other brands that I've tried in the past, I really haven't enjoyed. And you can just put them straight into your water, um, and they're so good. So they have salt, magnesium, and potassium potassium in them. And a lot of people don't realize how important electrolytes are for true hydration. A lot of us are chugging water because we're being told that we need more water, but we're not drinking the electrolytes that we need to actually hydrate our bodies. And so Element is a great choice. They also make seasonal chocolate flavors that are really good as like a hot chocolate. And you can put them in your coffee if you want, or just with hot water and like milk or just plain. I like to drink them plain. I love Element. I have at least one pack a day electrolytes are so important, especially for pregnancy and breastfeeding. So if you're lacking your electrolytes, give Element a try. You can use my link, Drink Element. It's drinklmnt.com slash Taylor K. And you will get a free gift with your purchase, which is a sample pack. So you can try all of the flavors. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash Taylor hello everyone i have a great episode for you guys today and i know you're going to love it because it's about a topic that i get asked about all the time and that is setting boundaries what do we say to our family members who don't agree with our parenting choices how do i get my family members to stop critiquing my parenting choices. And today I have Courtney J. Berg joining me to discuss this very topic. Courtney is a wife and mother of four living in South Florida. She graduated from the University of Florida with a BA in psychology, and she's currently a part of the Wheaton Propel cohort, pursuing a master's degree in evangelism and leadership. She founded Discover Your Worth, which is an online membership for women to help them heal from codependency and learn to establish a boundary practice. She also just wrote a brand new book that was published in December titled Loyal to a Fault, How to Establish New Patterns When Loving Others Has Left You Hurting. I know you're going to glean so much from this conversation, so without further ado, let's get to it. Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Would you mind just telling us who you are and what you do for those that don't know you?
1: Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so my name is Courtney Berg and I'm actually, uh, I'm a founder of a women's online membership called discover your worth. I'm probably most known for however my writing. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and I coach a lot of women through establishing a healthy boundary practice so that they can break free from people pleasing and codependency and learn to establish healthy patterns in their relationships, which I think we all really want.
0: Yes, I love that. And I I love your work on boundaries so much. I have found it so helpful for myself as a parent. And so today I really want to talk to you about setting boundaries specifically regarding parenting. And this is a concern and challenge that a lot of people in this community, a lot of the listeners have, um, because most of this community is are parents who maybe co-sleep with their child or they just parent differently than their parents did and their parents or other family members may not agree with their parenting choices Um, and so I'd love to hear from you I want to talk dive into that but first I want to hear from you about if you can just describe what a boundary is and why it's important why they're important to have.
1: Yeah, that's a great question because I sometimes forget that people don't really know what a boundary actually is. And I think that sometimes it gets tossed around so much in the media and online now that it gets watered down. So, one of my favorite quotes actually comes from my mentor, Dr. Cloud, and he says that a boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins. And I really like that because it really plays into all aspects of our lives, whether it's emotional resources, whether it's finances. Um, but really it's, you know, if we don't have boundaries in our life, I don't know what's my responsibility and I don't know what's yours. And that's where we end up seeing the anxiety, the overwhelm and resentment and how we're not able to love others or ourselves well. And so boundaries are really essential for, for all of that.
0: Yeah. I love that. I always think, cause you know, I think boundaries in a lot of cultures, but also just our current culture, but I think a lot it's different for different cultures as well. Um, People think of them as being disrespectful. And I know I've Mm -hmm. set boundaries with people in my life and it's taken as an attack or disrespect. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way I think of it is really that this boundary, I'm, I'm setting this boundary so that we can have a mutually respectful relationship. And that's kind of how I think of it. It's not to hurt the relationship. It's meant to actually foster relationship and allow us to both be respected. Um, why or how does understanding how our own parents kind of model boundaries to us when we were growing up, why does that matter, um, uh, like how we parent? How does that affect how we parent?
1: Yeah, it, it really affects almost everything, I think. And so um, I work with a lot of the women in some my, my membership and I realized early in that they didn't actually have a deep understanding of what they came from. So one of the things that I walk the members through when I onboard them or in my book that came out in December is this, it's called Foo or the family of origin inventory. And all that means is, you know, we're going to look at the different ways in which you might have picked up scripts or early conditioning or, I said, you know, the, the way your parents modeled, modeled boundaries or the way they didn't model boundaries. A lot of women didn't have any type of, you know, boundaries growing up. And so I, I want to say that, you know, when we look at a food inventory, it's, it's to look at it from a place of like collecting data. I think sometimes women say to themselves, well, I don't want to blame my parents for not having limits with me because we, they went through a messy divorce or they lost their parents and it was really hard or and this isn't a means to blame anybody you know or to cast judgment on anybody but it really is a method of collecting data so that we can then take personal responsibility about how we want to be in our relationships moving forward and so some of the some of the questions that i ask women you know for them to think about did i have boundaries growing up was you know was your routine consistent so as a child can you actually look back and go, yeah, I had a consistent bedtime. I had a consistent wake time. I knew that we were sitting down together for dinner as a family. Um, what was the discipline like? Did you have a a typical process of discipline or was it sporadic and inconsistent? Um, you know, when one of your family members was upset, was the entire household then upset? This says a lot about the limitations that were set and modeled inside of our of our childhood. Um, how was the communication? Did your parents fight and then share those arguments with you? You know, a lot of the women I work with, they f- find that they were therapists or referees in their own home. They weren't allowed to be a child, and so this plays into how we you know engage in our relationships now as wives as mothers as coworkers as friends because these patterns of behavior they don't just get left in childhood that's how we establish love and connection it's how we um you know earn approval from people and so it's very hard to break free from that if we're not first aware of it and so that family of origin inventory helps Women figure that out, have that starting framework so that they can build, you know, a different way for themselves,
0: yes, absolutely. That makes so much sense. And I, um going back to what you said about, you know, we don't we don't want to put blame on people. and I think that's so true. And I think that's a I mean, of course, I'm sure there are people that are just kind of wanting to blame their parents for all of their issues, but I think it's also kind of a misconception about what this actually is, because really, in my experience, I found that understanding your childhood and how it's impacted you and, and possibly impacted some of your current behaviors actually gives you the freedom to forgive them, too. Like, to move past it and heal yourself so that you can forgive your parents for maybe what they didn't know, you know, because I I like to operate under the assumption that most people are doing the best they can with what they have, with the resources they have access to. So I think it's really powerful to do that and to reflect on your own childhood. Definitely. Um, Okay. So can you make, this is probably very complicated, (laughs) But can you just give us some examples of what a boundary might sound like like for people that just really don't know how to set boundaries?
1: Sure. So, you know, as a mom, we have opportunities every day to set boundaries whether it's with our child, whether it's with a, our child's teacher or care, you know, our our babysitter or whether it's with just even outside family members. So maybe your own mom or the neighbor down the street. And so, you know, you can think of it categorically, you can think of it as like physical touch. And so maybe with the neighbor, you know, I write about this in my book, there's this guy that always comes up to you every time you try to check your mail, and he wants a big bear hug, and it makes you uncomfortable, you know, so maybe setting a boundary around, hey, Bob, I, you know, I'm not giving hugs anymore makes me uncomfortable. That's, that's a boundary. That's saying, I don't like this. This is what I need to feel safe. And, and it's hard to set these verbal boundaries, especially I find more so with strangers, because we actually don't have that intimate connection with them. But another example might be with your child, you know, no, you can't have that other cookie, you know, or no, it's mm-hmm. bedtime. It's time to turn the show off. You know, these are boundaries around how we manage our household, you know, with, with a friend, it might be, Hey, You know, you've been late the last several times that we've had lunch together. You know, I'm not going to be able to hang out late again, you know? And so, for example, if you're meant to meet at noon and they get there at 1230 and you find yourself rushing to eat because you have to get back to the office and the rest of the day, you're agitated and annoyed at your friend for being late. Well, I encourage women to take personal responsibility. What are you doing in that to continue the behavior? You're allowing for it. You're not setting a limit you're showing up, you're waiting around, you're rushing to eat your food, and then you're mad about it all day. And so a boundary around that could be, hey, I actually have to leave at 1230. I'm going to order my lunch. And sometimes boundaries are nonverbal. So that might be a personal commitment you make to yourself that, you know, I want to catch up with her, but at 1230, I have to leave and I'm actually going to order my lunch on time and enjoy it and then I'm going to head back to the office and it, and it helps us, you know, regain our safety and our power again. I think that a lot of times without boundaries we live annoyed at people. And and mm-hmm. we we let them, you know, man we let them control how we feel in the day. And really all it takes is having some boldness to, you know, set some hard boundaries, but it pays off so much. It pays off.
0: Yeah. It seems like setting a boundary is actually for the most part, pretty simple and straightforward. But I think maybe a lot of us overcomplicate it and like, feel like we need to explain ourselves or we get our, like our emotions, um, we involve our emotions in the boundary setting. And so Mm -hmm. like, what would you say to a mom who maybe she doesn't want to sleep train her baby and she's, she's choosing to bed share and that is working for her, but she has maybe a mother-in-law who is like kind of, Always critiquing her and, and commenting on that. And she doesn't want to like so a lot. I get this, I get this um topic from moms a lot. What do I say? And I usually say, you don't have to say anything. I mean, it kind of just depends on mm. your personal relationship with this person, but you don't have to explain your decisions to this person. Um, and I wouldn't personally unless I knew the person really well. We had the kind of relationship where I knew they were open to hearing from me about why I was making the decision I'm making. Um, but I usually say something like. You can just say, hey, I'd really rather not talk about this anymore. Like that's a boundary. It doesn't have to be complicated, right? Do you is that like a good boundary or would you handle that differently?
1: No, I think that you you hit it right on the head where, you know, boundaries are very simple. And that's actually what makes them hard because we mm-hmm. we want to complicate them, we wanna justify, we want to apologize, we want really people to like our boundaries, but that's not the goal. You know, so to that mother that has decided to, you know, bed share and not sleep train or sleep train and not bed share or whatever it is, you know, I think that the work should be for the mom to grow more competent in her decisions for her child, because when we stay rooted in that, we feel less like we have to explain it to somebody else. And so we have to really, you know, get clear on, okay, how much energy do I want to spend on this? And am I actually trying to get them to like my boundary or or my choice? Am I trying to get them to, you know, applaud me for this decision as a mom? You know, another thing that I think women want to have a nice relationship with their mother-in-law. I do, you know, and we're raising children and you want to have a good relationship. So sometimes I try to look at it too as, you know, it depends on how the mother-in-law is coming at the situation. Is she trying to be curious? Is she trying to understand? Is there a way that we can express empathy? That's not to say we explain ourselves, but maybe just trying to come at it from a little bit of a, hey, maybe she's just trying to understand this better. It wasn't in her generation. These options weren't available. Maybe there's a way I can bridge this gap for her to better understand my mothering style, you know, and having that woman to woman conversation. I think when we're defensive and we're prickly, you know, that prickly scenario, you know, it, it it's because we're not actually looking at our mother-in-law like a human being, you know, we're looking at it like she's judging me. And so I think if we set that down, it kind of helps us approach the situation better. But in, in you know, when it comes to actually setting a clear boundary, you know, if, if there's a lot of um, judgment and rude, you know, tone and body language. There are those mother-in-laws that just have something to say about everything you do. Yeah. I think that there needs to be a clear, confident, assertive boundary of this is off the table. This is off limits between us. When you come over for Sunday dinners, we're not talking about this. And one of the tools that I encourage in my book and in my membership is you know, sometimes we have to bump up the boundary. What does that look like? Well, if I've said I'm not talking about it Sundays at dinner at my house and she continues to bring it up, then I have to now reinforce my boundary with my own behavior, which might mean not inviting my mother-in-law over to Sunday dinners. Mm -hmm. And that's where people fall short because they don't actually... That's the hard part. But we... We'll only get people to take our limits seriously if we do. And if we look at it like at the long game, I want to have a good relationship with my mother-in-law. I want her to respect me. I want her to support me as a mother to her grandchildren. Then a couple Sundays missed together might be worth it, right? It might be worth it, but we have to do the hard thing. And oftentimes I think we bite our tongue or we tiptoe around each other or we you know, she leaves and we complain to her husband about her and it, it just causes for misery.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it extends it. It just, it goes on forever and it's not really being addressed. It's like and a I think
1: slow, painful yeah. death. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think that really is the hard part. Um, because like you said earlier, the boundary is really about us and our behaviors and our actions and we don't, we can't control other people. And so what happens when inevitably somebody disrespects our boundary or disregards our boundaries, we have to make a decision about the action we want to take. And that's really Mm -hmm. hard, especially when it's a family member. Like we don't want to just, you know, if it's, if it's just an acquaintance, it's easier, it's easy enough to just, you know, kind of, they're not really in our lives much anymore. And we can kind of, that's an easy transition. But when it comes to a mom, a mother-in-law, you know, someone like that, sister, when do we, it's it's hard to make that decision and find that balance about having, maintaining a relationship, but setting some some limits for ourselves when our boundaries are being disrespected and what that looks like. And it, of course, just depends on the situation. Um, but that's really tough. And I can say that because I've been there with family members before where we've had to take action. And it's also inconvenient. It's really inconvenient for us too a lot of the time as the people setting the boundary.
1: It is. And on that note is I like to remember, and I can't remember who said it, maybe Dr. Cloud, but go hard on the problem and easy on the person. And that helps me a lot because it's not actually your mother in law that's the problem. It's this, you know, inconsideration, it's this lack of kindness or respect, it's the way she speaks to you, it's the way she degrades you and your parenting there's a problem there, but she's actually not the problem. The problem is maybe how she communicates or maybe how she is passive aggressive. And so if we can go hard on that problem, we can actually be kind to her. We can say, but I can't have you, I I can't allow for this. I'm not tolerating this anymore in our relationship. And I think that painting the picture sometimes for, for a mother-in-law or for a friend or for whoever it is saying, I actually want to have a better relationship with you. And this is causing us pain. This is causing me to pull away. I think when we share our heart with them in that way, um, it makes, it, it makes this process a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when, as you're talking about this, I think that this brings up a lot of, um, A lot of like parallel thoughts just about life in general, about parenting our children, about how we were raised. So many of us were raised with this very shaming kind of parenting, these shaming parenting tactics where every time we did something that was wrong or bad or we shouldn't have been doing it, it really becomes about we're bad children. And even so as adults, when we say something that somebody disagrees with, I'm sharing information somebody doesn't like, well, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're irresponsible. It's about me as a person. And I think this also translates into our how a lot of us um, act when somebody is doing something to us that we don't like and we're setting boundaries. Um, it's not about shaming the person or about their character. It really is about can we communicate in a way that is just talking about the action. We're not focused on who the person is. We love the person. We just need the action or the behavior to stop. And that's hard because I think that shaming is so ingrained in in a lot of us. It's ingrained in us. It's ingrained in our parents. It's you know, it's not just us. It's also the people we're setting boundaries with that often have that kind of shame, shame response. And that makes
1: it tough, yeah, and I, I think, think it's it is. I think that we, we tend to go into conversations with people really armored up, like really defensive or, you know, shame filled, or we like to blame other people for how we feel. And it causes a lot of, you know, entanglement and enmeshment. And one of the, you know, my hopes for the work that I share is that people can step into their autonomy. You know, I think, As children, we grow into this role of, well, in order to stay attached to people that I care about, I have to actually take care of them, you know, and then as we get older, same thing, we have no autonomy, we have no sense of self and my own thoughts and my own feelings and, You know, I'm not saying that it's, you know, this independent culture that we have to strive for, but I think in, in order to have healthy relationships, we have to establish a little sense of space between, well, you can be upset with me, but I still need this boundary, you know, and, and that goes both ways, you know, the more we set boundaries in our relationships, the more we have to work towards honoring other peoples, even if we don't agree or understand them. And that can be difficult, but it's, you know, it's two sides of the same coin.
0: Yes, for sure. So we've talked a little bit about what you, we might have to do if somebody disregards our boundary. Um, But what about, what would you say to people who are setting boundaries and they're just finding that, you know, the people that they're setting boundaries with, be it their mom or their mother-in-law or their friend, they're very hurt by the boundaries. How do we navigate that?
1: Yeah, I. It's hard when you first set a boundary and you realize that that boundary hurts or upsets somebody, and it's what I call the backlash. And there's really not a lot to prepare for it other than just expecting it, because when you find in a family system where boundaries are non-existent, more times than not, a family member is going to take it as a personal attack. That's just the reality, you know because you're probably taking something away from them that they're used to getting whether it's time whether it's emotional support whether it's you know resources financially whatever it is and so that can feel scary because there's change happening in the family system and i remind women often that when you set a boundary and people don't like it that it's not actually your fault or your responsibility so that's probably the first thing is is You know, we tend to, if you come from a people-pleasing, codependency, enmeshed background, want to cling to that as if, oh, I've made a mess, I have to clean it up. And so that's the first step. How they respond to this is not my problem. And that doesn't make me unkind. That just makes us separate, right? Mm -hmm. That makes us separate. Um, And so a couple other things that we've kind of already touched on is, you know, when you set a boundary, it can stay very simple. And when you feel that urge to justify or explain it or apologize for what tends to happen is we lose sight of our boundary and we start to focus heavily on how people are responding to it. And, and we try to manage that. And so, you know, that again is not our problem. In fact, it's a waste of energy. Um, But it's, it's not, it's not personal. It's not personal. And when they get upset or when they're hurt, we have to sit in that discomfort and not jump to, you know, oh, I've got I've to fix this. It's, no, they're an adult. They can process. They can find safe friends and healthy individuals and maybe professional counselors to process through this with. But I don't actually have to be a part of the cleanup crew anymore. And so just understanding that it's probably a part of the natural process if boundaries are new for your family system.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I think about this and I think about how a lot of a lot of us growing up, you know, we didn't get apologized to, we didn't get our feelings validated. And I think a lot of us have come to the other extreme side where all feelings are valid and we need to be apologizing to people and and that's true. Like we do need to be taking a- accountability for what we've done to hurt other people. But I think there's also this this balance and this difference in feeling hurt and causing harm. Just because somebody feels hurt doesn't mean that we've done something to cause them harm. And so I think you have we have to learn to kind of know the difference um, because not everything needs an apology if we didn't actually do something hurtful. It doesn't mean, though, that there isn't going to be somebody on the other side feeling hurt. And that's something that I've really had to struggle with as an adult with my family.
1: Yeah, I really like what you said about this feeling-led phenomena that I feel like is sweeping over the world.
0: Like not all feelings are accurate, are
1: are grounded in reality. No, and I write about it in my book, The Generational Kind of Cycle that Happens with Codependency, you know, if we look at the 30s and 40s and 50s and this high deprivation of emotional, you know, support with parents and children and, you know, this there was like this scarcity pandemic that was happening around, among family members. And then I feel like the pendulum has swung and now we're overcompensating. And so where children didn't get what they needed, now we're overcompensating and probably giving too much. And I there's nothing wrong with feelings. I believe God made feelings for us. Um, but feelings aren't in charge. And I certainly don't allow, you know, my children can express their feelings, but I don't allow those feelings. You know, this is a personal boundary in our family. Those feelings don't dictate the mood of the household, you know? And Mm -hmm. so part of me training my child is, Hey, we can look at these. We can write about them. We can sing about them. We can talk about them, but they're not going to engulf our family culture. They're not going to be, our life isn't going to be run by, you know, this underdeveloped prefrontal cortex that is a eight-year-old, you know? And so um, that's kind of this guarding and harnessing of, wow, feelings and emotions are wonderful, but they're not always to be trusted. More times than not, they're going to be a survival skill or a default coping mechanism or, you know, something that maybe we're just learning to process through that isn't really who we are. And so I I like to look at and hold feelings lightly.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. um, Is there some encouragement that you would give to a mother who is maybe feeling guilty about feeling like she has to limit time between her children and her parents or her children and another family member? Like, and is that, is that yes. something that is okay and necessary sometimes?
1: Well, I will share with you. I did not think it was, When I first became a mom, but part of my early journey to boundaries and healing from codependency was this very thing. And so to encourage a mom out there that maybe is struggling with this, I just want you to know, I know this so well, it's a hard season to navigate. And sometimes it feels like you're the only one going through it and it's never going to end, but I'll encourage you that on the other side of it, if you can hold this close is that generations after you Are quite literally going to be thanking you for the hard work you're doing now to break cycles. And so, you know, it is likely, I can't speak for everybody, but if you're setting, you know, limits around the time that maybe a grandparent is spending with your child, it's likely that there's some sort of unhealthy, toxic, or dysfunctional patterns of behavior going on there, you know, whatever that may be, Um, in which case that mom is doing her job. She's doing her job, you know, and I like to really, I like to try to remember and it's hard, but it's part of the experience of life. I believe is that when I became a mom, being a mother supersedes being a daughter to my parents. And so I always have to put that as top priority. So I'm a mom first and I'm a daughter to my parents second. And so You know, doing what is right and necessary for my child might not always be what's right for my parents and what they need and expect. And that's okay. That's part of my job is getting very okay with my parents not always liking what I need to do for my children. Doesn't make it less painful. Doesn't mean that it's there's not seasons where, you know, it feels overwhelming and you're sad and there's grief and disappointment. But, you know, our children deserve better. And so just considering the long game and knowing that, you know, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing for your child and their safety.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really hard because, in in these situations, a lot of times it is accompanied by emotional manipulation tactics and guilting and shaming. And so it's really hard not to feel. And a lot of times it's multiple people kind of doing that and ganging up on you. Um, and so it's it's really hard to have confidence in your decision when you're being told at every, every angle, every turn that you're doing the wrong thing and you're selfish. You know, whatever it is, it's really, really hard. So I think it's really knowing who you are, knowing your values, making sure. And I think like our job, I always think my job is I'm going to set these boundaries as compassionately, as kindly and as calmly as I can and that's all I can do. And if I did that, then I did okay, and I'm not wrong in that. Um, but it's yeah, it's and I will really say
1: hard to, you know, when you start to set boundaries. And again, it's likely that you're you might be the only one in a family that probably thinks boundaries are selfish and unloving and whatever. You have to work to establish a safe net, safe network outside of that, because if you're returning to the people that you're used to pleasing and you know working hard to earn their love and you're trying to set boundaries with these people and you're also trying to get support from them it's going to get really sticky and so as you're setting boundaries with a family parents brothers and sisters whatever it is be sure that you're working also to establish a network of safe people who are a few steps ahead of you in this boundary stuff because then they're going to give you that sound wisdom. You know, they're going to help you discern through those rough patches, you know, podcasts like this one, there's other books and resources out there that can provide you that support. Because if you're that only person, it's very easy to feel isolated, um, you know, confused. And so being sure that you're working to add to, you know, you've got this this old conditioning, but in order to replace these patterns, we have to have new conditioning. We have to have new truths and new beliefs around what it means to be in relationship with people. And so making sure that you're building that, that up as you go is really important.
0: Oh yes. I wholeheartedly agree. And I even, you know, so I was raised with a lot of manipulation tactics, emotional manipulation, tactics, guilting, shaming. And I have a hard time trusting myself. And I often second guess myself like, oh, am I doing something wrong? Am I being, you know, enter whatever name selfish? Should I be ashamed of myself? And what I have found really helpful is just having a couple of people that are comfortable with me doing this and that I trust their opinion to bounce things off of like, hey, this is the situation, not in like a gossipy kind of way, um, but just hey, this is the situation, and this is what I'm feeling is happening. Can you like confirm that that's reality, or am I being, am I being selfish? Am I being manipulative, and am I being too emotional? And I feel like that's helpful because when you come from a, a childhood where you don't, you've learned not to trust what's actually happening and your feelings and your and your thoughts, it's really hard sometimes to move past that. And sometimes you just need like sane people in your corner to be like, no, you have a good read on this situation. Or no, you don't have a good read on this situation. I think this might be what's happening. What are your, do you think that, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious.
1: I I joke that I never trust my first response. So I always, I think one of the most underrated practices on ourselves is hesitation. And so there's never a boundary that needs to be set in an emergency situation. So more times than not, If we're feeling a certain way, we can give that a couple days to subside. In those couple days, we can also reach out to some people for, you know, wisdom to process, like you said, not to gossip. I do think that there is a tipping point of over-processing. And so sometimes we can get stuck in that processing. And in that over-processing, we tend to paralyze ourselves and we don't take any action. Only you know where that's at you know, but yes, I think you're right. I think that, you know, when you grow up and I actually write about this a bit in my book where, you know, my path to understanding boundaries and discovering boundaries, I had to actually learn to trust myself again. Now, this doesn't mean that I trust the first thing I think of, (laughs) or even the second, but I have to trust that I'm actually on a really great path and that I'm supported on that path. And I have faith on that path and that, um, I'm allowed to make mistakes on that path, that my boundary might not be perfect, but it's not rigid. It's not set in stone. You know, I'm able to communicate and change my mind. You know, for a while there, I thought I wasn't allowed to do that. When I didn't have boundaries and then I did, it was like oh, just a water rushing. Through. I mean, it was, <laughs> it went from like trickling to rushing. And I've since learned over the years that there's no emergency that, you know, I'm really, I don't have to, you know, prove anything to anybody. I just have to really stay true and authentic to myself and my values and my faith and, you know, and go with that. And so, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I, you do have to rebuild a sense of, of trust in yourself while also allowing for like grace that I'm going to mess up because I'm human. And that's just where it's at. And I'm gonna misspeak and I'm going to lose my temper sometimes and I'm going to be passive and people please sometimes, but I'm doing my best to get in that healthy zone the best I can, more often than I used to, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so in your book, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. You wrote about a time in your marriage where your children really disliked your, some of your boundaries, like going on dates and things like that. Could you talk a little bit more about that and, and, um, how you navigated that?
1: I love how this segued because I just talked about losing my temper. So everybody has a stress, stress signature. And so when we're under points of pressure or stress, you know, we tend to shut down or we tend to explode um, you know, and so for me, it welcomed our daughter, they're three now, but at the time, you know, they were newborns and we already had a four and six year old daughter. And so my husband and I were extremely outnumbered and exhausted, and we just were not leading our home, you know? And I realized talking about what we just mentioned, I was overcompensating. And so there was a lot of changes that happened. And I had found that, You know, I was overcompensating. Oh, these new babies are here. I don't want my older girls to feel left out or jealous or like they don't have what they need. Um, you know, I was also overcompensating for my own childhood. And so my feelings weren't ever really, you know, validated or noticed. And I tended to have, you know, I was like the therapist for my parents and all of that. And so I didn't want my children to experience that. And so what did I do? Well, I was like, your feelings are valid. And we would have like these huge powwows about, you know, the blue cup and not the red cup. You know, I wanted them to know that I was there, but what happened was we had slowly started walking on eggshells around each other. And, you know, it wasn't the loving, peaceful, playful home that I had envisioned in my mind that I felt that I was establishing. And so I actually started reading Habits of the Household. Have you heard of it? It's a very good no, book.
0: No, I haven't.
1: It's actually by a dad, which I love because I always read books by women, but mm. his name's Justin Whitmill Early, and he's a man, a dad. I think he has four boys and he's actually a lawyer, which I found interesting. But he talks about reordering the home and it was like a light bulb went off And I realized that, you know, their feelings were running the house and they slowly were in charge. And that actually caused more anxiety, more overwhelm, more eggshell walking, um, more of the behavior we didn't want from them. And so it was kind of just feeding itself and I was like, wow, I'm a boundaries coach. I'm writing a book on boundaries. I coach women on boundaries and I have no boundaries with my children. Like this is a mess. And it's hard because it's those closer relationships tend to be really difficult. And so I... Um, I was done with living that way. And so going back to what your first question was about having this date night, well, that was one of the pivotal moments that I was like, wow, we like stopped going on dates because our kids would have such a hard time. You know, they'd kick and scream about it. They'd whine about it. You know, the whole day leading up to the date was just a mess. And so my husband and I sat down and we said, you know, what are our values as a family? Like, what are we building our life upon? And you know, if we don't know what we value, then we actually don't know what we're guarding. We don't, we don't have any sense of what we're guarding and, and we'll start setting boundaries around what we see on the internet or what we hear other people do for their families. And, and so understanding what our values were really gave vision and direction for where we were headed as a family and who we wanted to represent as a family in our community. And, and so you know, those day-to-day interactions and like commitments like going on a weekly date began to really matter. No longer was it just like a power play or a control, you know, struggle, but it really mattered because it reinforced our values. And so we valued our commitment being married and we knew that guarding that time together as a husband and wife would bless our children ultimately, even if in that moment they didn't like it. We knew that in the long game um, and sitting in that discomfort of their temper tantrums they would eventually benefit from this and so that kind of took them out of leading the home and it placed my husband and I back into that seat and it didn't happen overnight but I'm not kidding you within like a week or two it's like everybody settled in it was like they needed that so my husband and I needed it they needed it and now i mean even my th- you know my my youngest daughter's 3 And I'll be getting dressed, you know, normally I'm in like workout clothes or whatever. And she'll see me getting dressed, going on a date with daddy. Like she knows that's, you know, and so everybody knows and there's safety in that consistency and there's safety in a child knowing that they can be a child and that, you know, their parents are honoring each other in that time together.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. I feel like we could have a whole nother, do like a whole nother podcast episode on, a lot of the parenting advice and guidance that is on social media, especially because there's just so much there and it's so great to have access to so much information, but it's also very overwhelming. It's very like simplified and it doesn't really fit human, like the complexity of, of a human relationship. And I've definitely went down the rabbit hole of like gentle parenting and but then i realize and i still i love a lot of the the philosophy behind gentle parenting but i don't use that term anymore because i think it's also misunderstood but i don't agree with a lot of it anymore like i think there is a balance where like we can acknowledge our children's emotions and their developmental abilities but still not allow all behavior, all screaming, all attitudes, right? Like, I I just think there's a way that we can acknowledge that and guide them into appropriate, an appropriate um, response to that emotion. And I, I just, anyways, I mean, that's like a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) because I think it leads to burnout. Like when you have, when moms are on Instagram, looking at all of these gentle parenting accounts, seeing all of the scripts that just don't apply in a lot of circumstances to your real life in the moment, like the the dynamic of a child parent relationship. It can and you're trying to implement these scripts. It leads to burnout and overwhelm and confusion. Um, but yeah, that's a whole nother whole nother podcast episode. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for being here with us today. You just came out with a book recently, right? Would you mind um, just sharing a little bit more about that book?
1: Sure. Yeah. It's called, um, loyal to a fault, how to establish healthy patterns when loving others has left you hurting. And it came out in December and it's available wherever books are sold, but it talks a lot about what we actually touched on today on just how to, you know, identify the role that you might be playing in keeping some of the unhealthy patterns of behavior going in your relationships um, you know, how to establish a boundary practice. You know, I think that we long to be in healthy relationships and we long to love people well, especially family members and close friends. And so I, my, it's my hope to encourage women that, you know, you don't have to live loyal to a fault to love others well. And so I walk you through steps on how to do that and hopefully how to establish a good boundary practice so that we can, we can love others the way I think we want to.
0: I love that. Well, that book is definitely going on my list. I have a stack of about 10 <laughs> nonfiction books that I am reading at any given time because I read through them very slowly and that will be added to the top of my book stack. Um, but okay, so obviously people should go out and get your book. But is there anywhere else that you share education or have any other resources to support to support parents with um or anybody with setting boundaries?
1: Yeah, I actually, you know, I know we've talked a lot about mother daughter relationships. I actually have a course called rising daughters and it's really, you know, to work through some of those um, unhealthy things that arise between moms and daughters, but it doesn't have to be moms and daughters. There's a lot of women that take the course because they, they struggle with the relationship with their dad, but that's actually all inside um, discover your worth, which is the membership I touched on before. But you know, it's designed to support women with practical tools to break free from codependency and establish that healthy boundary practice. Cause I I really think that as moms and as parents, we want to do better for our children. And again, not to blame our parents, but isn't that the goal? Like I hope my four children do better than what I'm doing now. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I think that that would be a gift for me as a mom. And so, it's a resource that I hope provides that opportunity for women everywhere.
0: Amazing. Well, Courtney, thank you so much again for being here. I learned so much from you and I'm sure everybody listening has too. And I will link those. I'll put those links and your book and everything in the show notes for people to find easily. But thank you so much again for being here.
1: You bet. Thank you.